It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thunder Cliffs, Nullarbor Plain, remote South Australia. The second Ambra rematerialised, she knew she'd made two critical errors. One was that she was not in Adelaide but somewhere very remote. Thunderous metal grey clouds from an approaching storm and a hot northerly wind swept along a wild coastline of sheer cliffs that were a short distance away. Beyond, she could hear a boiling ocean crashing onto rocks at the base of the cliffs. The second, and more frightening realisation, was that the sun had completely set, leaving only faint light on the horizon. It hit her like an iron bar. She had not accounted for the change in time zone. The night in Norway was the polar night, the Arctic winter day, and she'd set the map to a location in a time zone nine and a half hours ahead where it was night. Necro would not be burned to a crisp under the blazing summer sun as she had imagined. She was out here, alone with him, no way of calling for help. The leap had knocked the breath from her lungs, but she quickly got to her feet to see Necro close by, also shaking off its effects. I am the only thing preventing him activating Nadir and causing catastrophic loss of life, if not flooding the entire globe, inside 24 hours. But he was physically bigger and stronger than her, and she blocked out the thought of what had happened to her mother's colleague. The moon was obscured by clouds. The last remnants of light were about to be extinguished on the horizon. It would soon be completely dark, and there was no artificial light out here. She had no torch, no phone. Nothing on her or on the ground that she could use as a weapon. How could I possibly outrun him? And there's nowhere to hide on this flat, treeless plain. Amber put her hand in her jacket pocket. She could feel the smooth, unusually cold, hard surface of the Saturnian diamond inside its pouch. At all costs, she could not let him have it. I have to fight him, stalk him, whatever it takes until the sun rises. For how long? Eight hours? As she watched, she realised that Necro was not moving easily. The heat, the last faint glow of the sun, and the full moon which had appeared between the storm clouds was weakening the Nautilin, who had been exposed to it for more than a minute now. And he was already weakened by exposure in Svalbard to the light of the moon and the aurora borealis. With a surge of hope she stood to face him. 
His breathing laboured. Necro fixed her with a stare, holding out his hand. Give me the diamond. Amber pressed her lips together and shook her head once. No. You know what I am capable of, he warned. Yeah, I do. That's why you're not having the diamond. Necro's lip curled. Amber glanced in the direction of the crashing surf. Can I outrun him to within throwing distance of the cliff? Then I could hurl the diamond over it. Though the sea was Necro's familiar environment, he would never find it among the treacherous rocks and surf, even if he could find a safe way to get to the base of the cliffs. What he would then do to her was another question, but if he got away with the Saturnian superconductor, there would be far greater consequences. Necro took a step towards her, tapping his fingers on his lips. Would you like me to give you a little kiss? Necro taunted, his eyes taking on a murderous look. He took another slow step towards her. Amber stood her ground but tensed all of her muscles. You know you can't stop me. Why not just hand it over and save yourself the pain of my taking it from you? Because you are a psychotic maniac who will use it to drown billions of people, including me. I'm getting good at it now. I believe you're familiar with one of my previous efforts. Amber's subconscious clicked two faces together. Her mind flashed back to a beach in Thailand years before. A lone swimmer, a young man with jet black hair intently watching the coastline. His hand raised, his face ecstatic. Moments later, the sea disappeared. Amber's body went completely cold with the realisation, though the hot wind was whipping up her hair and clothes. Her skin tingled with terror. You! Necro smiled. Early tests of Medea. That and my Japanese effort some years later. The ominous rumble of the storm drew closer. You did that. Amber wanted to run as far away from him as possible, but the immense shock had frozen her to the spot. Now you know what I am truly capable of, raged Necro. With the Saturnian diamond as a superconductor, I can create much bigger quakes. I can unleash tsunamis and I can release the inner sea that will end the reign of the Terrans. Over my dead body, screamed Amber into the hot wind. Naran kiss or over the cliff, roared Necro. Either way, you will drown. Amber broke into a run heading for the cliff, intending to throw the diamond into the watery cauldron and robbing Necro of the key to Nadir. Tears of terror stung her cheeks as she tried to outrun death for the second time in her life. She could hear Necro pounding behind her. About 50 metres short of the cliff, he crash-tackled her. Amber fought him, but he was too strong. He grabbed her by the wrist and sat astride her. There was a faint smell of fuel on his jacket, likely a consequence of the snowmobile rollover. She knew if he was able to begin the Narayan kiss, she was finished. As she threw her head from side to side, in a desperate attempt to avoid his mouth, a fork of lightning split the black sky. The storm was almost overhead. Necro cried out in pain and loosened his grip. Aha! He was vulnerable to the bright flash of lightning as well as sunlight, moonlight and the aurora borealis. Amber was able to throw him off, get to her feet and run a few more metres before he recovered and caught her again. His face was an ugly grimace. Another echoing boom of thunder. As Amber struggled, she willed the next fork of lightning to come. But it took too long. 
Necro held Amra's face in a death grip and forced his lips to hers. A sob welled up from within her as she anticipated what had been her worst nightmare since that day on the beach at Kaolack. Nothing happened. There was no torrent of seawater, no suffocating gurgle, just a salty tang from the lips of a madman. The lightning forked again and Necro yelped. Amber spat away the taste of his lips. Though she was still trapped, she laughed in his face. Ha! It's weakened you. You can't apply the kiss. Necro's face morphed into a mask of fury. He clenched his fist and punched Amber hard across the jaw. She gasped and her body went limp. Her lip and nose began to bleed. She slipped into semi-consciousness. While she was stunned, Necro held her down by the throat with one hand and ripped open her jacket with the other, taking the Saturnian diamond from her pocket. He staggered to his feet and stood over Ambra. Necro slipped the jewel out of its velvet pouch and held it up, admiring the sparkling stone as he turned it in the faint moonlight emanating from beyond the clouds, the desert winds swirling around him. My beauty. Ambra tried to get up. What little she could see was shifting in and out of focus and the sky seemed to be spinning, though she was still. But he was leaving with the stone, the superconductor. She slumped back to the ground, head pounding. I must get up. I must get up. Her heart was desperate, but like a boxer being counted out, her body was unable to respond. Then, in the middle of her groggy state, Amber remembered. She gingerly pulled the remaining distress flare from inside of her jacket. Rolling over, she propped herself up on one elbow, lined up the device with Necro, who was limping inland away from the cliff, and fired it at him. Her aim was slightly too high for a direct hit, but a bright red glow and a shower of sparks filled the air above Necro's head. Startled, he turned and looked up. Amber waited for him to cry out, for the falling sparks to hit their mark for the flare to hamper his escape somehow. But the artificial light had no effect. It was not natural Terran light. Amber slid back to the ground, defeated. He was going to get away. He'd hitch a lift with a truckie to Port Lincoln, arriving before dawn. Then, out of the corner of her eye, she saw it. The Sand Poet's map. Still charged with energy released from the lit, it lay crackling and fizzing not far from her. With renewed hope, she got to her hands and knees, then managed to get herself upright. Would tackling Necro with a second leap, this time to a daylight location, be possible, despite what the sand pilot had said? In the red light offered by the flare, she noticed the map was charred, its coordinates no longer visible. Her heart sank. The sand pilot was right. Then Ambra noticed faint tendrils of smoke rising. The map had landed on a small pile of dry brush and twigs. There was little in the way of food for a fire on this treeless plain, but there were some smaller branches that looked like they'd been brought in for use as firewood by campers who had passed through the area. As the red light faded, Ambra grabbed as much fuel as she could find within reach, including a couple of small branches, and fanned the smoking pile. She gently blew on it. It crackled and caught a light. She added some of the brush and twigs. The fledgling fire grew bigger. She held her branches to the small fire until they came alive with a much bigger flame. Terran light. She turned and fixed her sights on Necro, now barely visible in the faint moonlight, but still making his way inland. Amber moved rapidly on tiptoe, trying to mask her footsteps as much as possible, 
as she ran Necro down. But before she had gotten within striking distance, he sensed her there and spun around. No! He bellowed, his eyes wide with fear as he saw her brandishing her makeshift torch. Without another word, Ambra ran at him and swung the fire at his torso. Necro screeched as the fire made contact with his skin, and in an instant, the fuel that had spilled onto his jacket in the snowmobile rollover ignited. Ambra stepped back, watching with a mix of fascination and horror as he burned. There was another enormous crack of thunder, with the storm now right overhead. The fire-consuming Necro had grown frighteningly large, and Ambra had to move further away again. He was screaming in agony, the sound whirling around in the hot wind of the desert plain, but he was not burning like a Terran. As the fire died down and the screaming gave way to silence, Ambra noticed there was no physical body, no charred remains. Ambra's fire had vanquished Necro, the would-be water conqueror. But within the embers that remained, she spied the Saturnian diamond, shining bright blue in the dark, charged with the energy of the fire. She reached out to pick it up, but realised it was far too hot to touch. She sank to her knees. With the threat of Necro gone, she would wait for the diamond to cool a bit before picking it up and heading inland, towards the highway. The wind dropped. Amber looked up uneasily. It was quiet. Unnervingly quiet. Eye of the storm quiet. She became aware of a low, rhythmic vibration. She wasn't sure if she was feeling or hearing it. As it took hold of her body, her limbs and torso began quivering. The Saturnian diamond had begun to glow a very bright blue, though it was pitch black. She struggled to her feet and moved backwards, away from the diamond. Without further warning, there came an unearthly shrieking as the sky was rent by a gargantuan bolt of bright blue lightning. In less than the blink of an eye, the blue lightning had found the stone. For a split second, it was illuminated from within by neon blue light. Then there was an incredible explosion of white light, followed by a colossal blue fireball that shot into the sky, the height of a skyscraper. Amber was blown backwards by the force. Her hair, skin and clothes were singed, but she had been far enough away from the sight of the blast to avoid serious injury. She watched, transfixed as the fireball dissipated into pale blue smoke, then faded. The wind picked up. As she got to her feet, the white lightning flashed again, this time further off. The storm was passing over. In the instant of light offered, she saw a large area of blackened and burnt ground nearby. There was a smell of hot metal in the air, and a strange metallic taste in her mouth. There was no sign of the diamond. Like Necro, it had been vaporised. If I'd picked the diamond up, I'd be dead. Umbra shook her head. What the hell had just happened? Had Saturn, old man Kronos, come for his diamond, returning it to the place from where it had been forged? Umbra's knees were shaking. She was safe from Necro. Everyone was safe from Medea. But she had lost the Saturnian diamond. Mage was now unable to be operationalised, and with Necro's legacy of lies corroding civilization into a state of despair, Mage was needed more than ever. Not knowing what else to do, Ambra began staggering away from the cliffs, crying bitter tears of shock, relief and regret. Now that the storm had moved over, 
the full moon emerged from behind the clouds. Finding her way by moonlight, starlight, and the occasional far-off dull boom of thunder and flash of lightning, Ambra hobbled inland until she found the transnational highway in the middle of this nowhere. She peered up and down the thin strip of grey that stretched out into an inky void beyond the reach of the moonlight. Not a soul. How long would it be before a car or truck approached? She collapsed beside it, aching and completely exhausted.